Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Sling TV, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. Obviously, we have to talk about Texas losing uh, to Oklahoma State on Saturday, and I've never tried to brand myself as anything more uh, than a fan. And so as a fan, I, I ride the highs with you all when we win, and I definitely ride the lows. Uh, with you all when we lose and it's been tough man since texas lost to oklahoma state it's tough to have to get on camera and record a podcast or you know record a podcast talking about what happened when you watched your favorite football team lose you know breaking news texas is my favorite football team but we have to discuss what we saw on saturday and it, it wasn't the best performance and it was a game once again that texas should have won and, and it's a game once again that texas found themselves on the losing end of it and so uh, we're going to spend the next 25 to 30 minutes breaking it down, talking about it. Like Steven from Fanatic Perspective says, it's a therapy session. So uh, I guess welcome to Locked On Longhorns, Jonathan Davis version of the, the therapy session. I want to talk about who's to blame for this loss. I don't want to talk about it in order. First, we're going to start with Steve Sarkeesian. I believe Steve Sarkeesian should shoulder the majority of the blame for this loss. Then we're going to talk about Quinn Ewers and... Xavier Worthy. I'm not sure that they deserve the same amount of blame, but I think they are two individual players who should be called out and will be called out on this episode of Locked on Longhorns. And then we're going to end with talking about the defense who obviously gave up 41 points. So they had uh, some blame in the loss. But, you know, just like the Texas Tech game, when they're on the field way longer than they should be, most defenses are going to be prone to giving up plays, which they think they did and ultimately broke in the fourth quarter. But nonetheless, we're here to talk about my forever head coach. <laughs> it's getting harder and harder to say that. Steve Sarkeesian. So really quickly, just quick recap through the Sark experience through 20 games at the 40 acres. Sark through 20 games is 10 and 10. The literal definition of 500. The literal definition, at least through 20 games, of average. In true road games, like we've seen this year with Texas Tech, like we've seen this year with Oklahoma State, Steve Sarkeesian is 1 in 6 in true road games as the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. In conference play, in Big 12 play, you know, where you really make a name for yourself. Steve Sarkeesian is 6-8 and eight in conference play. Okay, well, what about against Power 5 opponents? We know he can beat the ULMs and the Rices and the UTSAs. Sark is 6-10 and 10 against Power 5 opponents at his time at the University of Texas. And in his 10 losses, the Texas Longhorns have had a lead in seven of them in the second half. Sark has lost 10 games at the 40 acres as the coach of the University of Texas. And in those 10 losses, seven of them, he had a lead at some point in the second half. I don't have a problem with Texas losing. And I understand that Texas is not at the point to where you know, two losses or three losses, which they have currently is a reason to fire a coach or, or say that the season is a disaster. I understand that. I understand that Texas is still working its way back up. Oklahoma State had one loss. They were ranked higher than Texas. If both teams would have competed till the end and Oklahoma State would have pulled away and won, I wouldn't be mad at that loss. Oklahoma State, that's a game that a lot of people circled on the schedule and said could be a loss for the Longhorns earlier in the year. I thought they would win the game. But I would not have been surprised if they lost to Oklahoma State. It definitely wasn't a bad loss. I think Texas Tech was a bad loss. 
I don't think Oklahoma State would have been a bad loss. Like I said, I don't have a problem with us losing on our way back to glory. What I have a problem with, and this I'm pointing at you, Sark, I have a problem when you show me that you're better than a team and you don't close that game out. I have a problem when you go into the game and you obviously look like the better team like you did on the road on Lubbock on September 24th against Texas Tech and like you did on Saturday the 22nd against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. For enough of that game, for the majority of the game, you went in there and looked like the better team. And honestly, that game should have been put away in the first half. But you looked like the better team. You showed me you were the better team against Oklahoma State. You showed me you were the better team against Texas Tech. Last year, there were a few games where you showed me you were the better team. You showed me you were better than Oklahoma. But somehow, someway, every time we're at the end of these games talking about a loss, and I just don't understand it. I don't understand why we can come out and clearly be the better team in the first half. Clearly have these teams on the ropes. And somehow in the second half, that always flips. When you look at it this year, I told y'all on the episode with Cody, uh, our newest you know, Oklahoma State host on the Lockdown Podcast Network, that both of these teams were first-half teams. And when you look at Texas now, this is including the Oklahoma State game, we're outscoring opponents by 94 points in the first half. But through eight games, we're only outscoring our opponents by nine points in the second half, from 94 in the first half to nine in the second half. Texas has been outscored by 29 points in the fourth quarter. That's on you, Sark. We're, we're winning the, the battle of, like Rob Baber says, we're winning the battle of game planning. We're winning the battle of preparation because we come out and we jump on teams. But we cannot play 60 minutes of football. So we come out, we win the battle of of preparation we win the battle of game planning but we lose the battle of adjustments specifically on the road you got out coached sark by joey mcguire at texas tech you got out coached by mike gundy at oklahoma state and if we lost like we did to alabama where i feel like sark out coached nick saban and we just lost the game plenty of circumstances included into that I'm fine with that because I understand that Texas is not at that point yet where we can get mad for them having one, two or three losses on their schedule. But what bothers me is when you come out and clearly look like the better team and don't close that game. What bothers me, Sark, as an offensive genius, as somebody who's supposed to bring fireworks to Austin and fireworks to the 40 acres, why do we keep jumping out to these high scoring totals and these big leads in the first half and then they falter why does your offense with all of these playmakers keep stalling out in the second half I talked about us having a third receiver problem and lo and behold against Oklahoma State when we needed more than two receivers at the end we didn't have one we could rely on or Sark got away from it Sark, you're an offensive genius offense is supposed to be your calling card offense should be the least of our worries at the University of Texas. But our last 10 drives against Oklahoma State, we have six punts, two field goal attempts. One of them was a horrible miss by Burt Arbin, and he deserves all the blame for that. I mean, it wasn't even close to the uprights. And then two interceptions by Quinn Ewers at the end. But six punts on our last 10 drives, it's the same story. I understand that, you know, we said this was an eight and four or a nine and three football team. And, and I understand that they're still probably on track for that. Most likely eight and four at this point. 
But when you see the way that they're losing, it's upsetting. It's the same story with Oklahoma State as it was against Texas Tech. You jump out to a 14-point lead at one point, definitely a 10-point lead with like two minutes left to go in the third quarter, a game you should control, but the offense stalls out the entire second half. The defense is on the field way too long, 100 plays against Texas Tech, 98 plays against Oklahoma State. And then ultimately they keep chipping and chipping away. They come back and they win and we can't do anything on offense in the second half. Sark, where, where is the offense outside of your script? Where is the creativity outside of your script? Where is the feel? In this game, you clearly saw that Quinn Ewers didn't have it. I'm not telling you to bench Quinn Ewers. Only you know if that's the right decision or not. I'm not telling you to bring in Hudson Card. But why do you refuse to do anything to make your quarterbacks comfortable in the most important spots? We saw it with Hudson Card, and, and he finally decided to, to give him a lot of short passes, quick passes, things that made him comfortable. And we saw really Hudson Card start to have the best stretch of his career before Quinn Ewers came back. We saw the aggressive game plan against Alabama, but Quinn Ewers was able to, to handle that. He made plays against Oklahoma, but the last two weeks, he has not been great. And I'm not sure that Sark has met him halfway doing the things that he needs to do to be comfortable to make plays. Jordan Whittington had one catch. That is criminal. Why did Jordan Whittington have one catch in this game? And the one catch he had was on an RPO that was wide open to him. Why did we not go back to him after that? You finally bring in a third receiver other than Casey Kane to make a play with Brennan Thompson. And you see he's electric on that one play, one catch for 32 yards. You see the speed and the shiftiness. You don't go back to it. I don't understand why some of these things seem so simple. And it's like Sark will not stick with things. He will not, you know, he gets away from things, the things that are working in the first half. He got away from it. Quinn Ewers clearly did not have it on Saturday. And yet Sark continuously put the game in Quinn Ewers' hands, and ultimately that's the reason that we lost. Bijan and Roshan had two big runs. Outside of that, everything was pedestrian. But I thought you have to lean on that, especially with the second-half lead, with the double-digit lead. You have to lean on that, Sark. You have to say our strength is just going to be better than your strength today. I know that you're going to, you know, I know that you're keyed in on the run. I know that you're stacking the box. I know that you know we're going to run the ball. But I got Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson on my side. I'm running the ball regardless. My quarterback doesn't have it. I'm going to run the ball down your throat and we're going to secure the victory. And I don't understand why we didn't see that. So, like, I mean, it's just a lack of, you know, like I said, it seems like he's losing his fastball after the opening script. I don't understand why Jordan Whittington had one catch on Saturday when you were in need of playmakers. Why Brennan Thompson only got one opportunity. On Saturday, when you were in need of playmakers, Jaleel Billingsley has been suspended for six games. He came in and had two catches. He's making an impact early. Why, why is nobody else making an impact? Like I said, it's the same. We're losing the same weight. It's the same script, the way that we're losing these games. Last year, we, we keep saying this is a different team, but they're having the same second half issues that they had last year. We keep saying this is a different team, but last year down the stretch, they were outscored 16 to 0 by Oklahoma State. This year down the stretch, they were outscored 17 to 0 by Oklahoma State. This is it's this it's they're a better team. They're a more talented team. I believe that they have better energy. I believe that they have better culture. 
but they have a long way to go. If this is the product, we're going to continue to see if they're going to keep losing in the exact same way. Like I said, I would have no problem if Oklahoma State was the better team and we lost in a close fought battle. I would have no issue if we lost like we did to Alabama at the end of the game and, and they just outplayed us at the end and, and it was one play here or another play there. But when we keep losing the exact same way, when the offense keeps stalling out, which is your calling card, Sark, when the defense is on the field for way too long, when after every game we're questioning where our playmakers are at and why they're not getting opportunities, and when you're obviously lacking feel with your play calling, putting the game in Quinn Ewer's hands when he's overthrowing receivers 10 to 15 times, when he's going 19 to 49, and you got the best running back in college football and the best backup running back in college football on your side, and you get away from the run game, while two years in a row Oklahoma State leans on it to beat us, it's disappointing, Sark. I have faith in Sark. He has proven to be an elite recruiter, and he has proven to be an elite offensive genius at times. But the numbers show that Sark at USC, at Washington, and now at Texas through 20 games has been nothing but average as a head coach. It's not a slight. It's just fact. He has been nothing but average as a head coach thus far in his career. And if he doesn't turn that average into great or exceptional, his career at the University of Texas will be shorter than a lot of us thought. Quick word from Sweat Block, and then we're going to get into Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy, who I thought both left a lot on the field on Saturday. Look, I talked about this before. Obviously, body odor, don't want to have it. Controlling your sweat is important. Sweat block was created by doctors to help with excessive sweating. It's doctor created and doctor recommended. I know you're at these football games all upon people in the mall. We everywhere like the pandemic don't exist no more. You know what I'm saying? Or however you feel about it. Look, we all up on each other back again and you need to be smelling good. You don't want to be up on nobody with no body odor or just sweating, perspiring and, and all of that. Look, get you some sweat block. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, or you just need a, a new deodorant, you just need a new antiperspirant, save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. Amazon. Sweatblock. Promo code locked on. Make sure you're smelling good, man. Holidays coming up. Y'all going home around your family. I wouldn't want y'all to get roasted because y'all y'all smelling bad or sweating everywhere, man. Make sure y'all get sweat block. All right, so Queen Ewers was not great on Saturday. I think that it's fairly obvious that Quinn Ewers was not great on Saturday. 19 of 49, 319 yards, two touchdowns and three interceptions. One of those, the last interception was on JT Sanders. He dropped the ball up uh, and then Oklahoma State caught it and, and sealed the game. This is the third time in the last 22 years across college football. I would imagine tens of maybe even hundreds of thousands, but definitely tens of thousands of football games have been played. It's only the third time in the last 22 years a quarterback in college football has thrown 49 passes with less than 22 completions. And I haven't had a chance to, to go back and rewatch the game. I'm not sure if I will go back and rewatch the game in Longhorn Nation. There's just a lot of pain I'm in. The, the Cowboys is squeaking out against the Lions right now, and that might be my joy of the weekend. So that tells you how things are going. But from my account, what I remember, he was off badly. I mean, he overthrew or missed on at least 10 to 15 passes. I know on the broadcast, they kept like a, 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 a ongoing ticker about how many passes were overthrown. And then like 
it lost credibility because half the passes they were saying he overthrew weren't overthrows. Like they were just bad throws or or misses. But then they just started saying, was that an overthrow? Like the last pass to Xavier Worthy, which we'll talk about, which he should have caught, was not an overthrow. But they started calling everything overthrow. So by my count, 10 to 15 overthrows or missed passes. But we're talking about Quinn Ewers, Mr. You know, Perfect 1,000 composite rating. I know he's a redshirt freshman, but I'm grading him on the curve. We saw him against you know Alabama. We saw him against uh oklahoma y'all the ones walking around saying we'd be undefeated if quinn ewers was the starter the whole season y'all the ones walking around saying quinn ewers one of the best quarterbacks in college football i said top five i'll take blame i put him up there you know what i'm saying if you know like dennis you know dennis was it dennis allen dennis green dennis allen dennis green dennis green i think he said if you want to crown him crown his ass i crowned his ass you know what i'm saying so i i put that on me too but that's why I'm grading them on a curve because I've seen special against the best of the best. I've seen you be a gamer against the best of the best against Alabama and Oklahoma. So I'm expecting that against the Oklahoma State. I'm expecting that against the Iowa State. I'm damn sure expecting it against Oklahoma State, who had what one of the five or six worst pass defenses in college football. I mean, I know there were 35 mile per hour wins, but I'm still expecting Quinn Ewers, right? The mullet, the one that was dicing up Alabama and Oklahoma. I'm expecting him to ball against Oklahoma State, and, and it was far, uh, far from the case. And and I think, and I've had a bad habit of this. I'm, I'm going to just keep telling on myself. I'm going to keep putting this on myself. I'm going to put this on my back, y'all. I'm going to put this on my back. Obviously, we know that Quinn Ewers is not, you know, like I said, they're not putting out teach tape on Quinn Ewers' mechanics and his footwork. But when it works and he's slinging that ball from all different arm angles and all of that, we're like, ooh, ooh, you know what I mean? And, and we don't worry about Oh, the footwork was off. Oh, he threw that off his back foot. Oh, that was a bad decision. You know, like the, the interception against uh, Oklahoma, we're like, ah, you know, whatever. You know, the interception against ULM, we're like, oh, it's ULM. And then it comes back to bite you in the game against Oklahoma State. And it's like when it's not working, you're like, come on, bro. Why'd you throw that off your back foot? Come on. Your mechanics are lazy. Your footwork is lazy. But when we're winning, when we're winning games and he's making all those spectacular plays, we don't mind it. But in this game, it reared its ugly head. And he talked about it after the game. He said, you know, I need to I'm not sure if this was just a press conference answer or, you know, this was something to read into. But he said that, you know, he needs to improve his practice habits because how you practice is how you play in the game. And I think too often, you know, the win had a lot to do with it. I think him just being off had to do with it. But also, you know, some of that is mechanics and footwork, him being lazy in that regard and him relying too much on just having a God tier right arm. And sometimes that works out for you. I think he had a great throw, a couple of great throws to Jaleel Billingsley and a few to JT Sanders when it looked like they were moving at the end. But large in large part, his his lack of you know attention to detail in the mechanics and the footwork, at least on Saturday against Oklahoma State, hurt him. And it's a big reason why he has such a bad game. And I thought. Really, when we talked about the difference between Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card, it was about the ceiling and, and just the special, right? Like Hudson Card could be a really good college quarterback, and I think he increased his stock this year as a college quarterback. But we talked about Quinn Ewers having the NFL potential. Some people had talked about Quinn Ewers being the obvious candidate to be the number one pick in the NFL draft in 2024, right? He has that special, that pop, the reason that he's been compared to a Patrick Mahomes and an Aaron Rodgers. And I don't feel like I saw any of that on Saturday. I don't feel like I saw the special outside of what Sark drew up with Sark, obviously game plan for him. I didn't see anything special from Quinn Ewers on Saturday. And that's supposed to be the difference between him and Hudson Carr. That's supposed to be what makes him one of the top tier quarterbacks in college football. But when you look at some of the biggest plays that they had in the passing game, the Brennan Thompson uh, reception for 32 yards, which 
once again, it was criminal. They didn't go back to him. That was behind the line of scrimmage. The 30-yard uh, touchdown reception by Xavier Worthy, that was thrown behind the line of scrimmage. The Bijan wide open uh, touchdown pass, he was barely past the line of scrimmage, and that was a coverage bust. That went for 41 yards. And then Witt's only catch, once again, criminal by Sark, that Jordan Winnington only had one catch, 23 yards on an RPO that he was wide open on. You know, and so that's 124 yards right there that were completely uncontested. <laughs> you know, so outside of that, what did Quinn Ewers do that was special? And I don't necessarily remember a play on Saturday, and I don't really remember too many from Iowa State. We've seen peaks in the biggest games with Quinn Ewers with Alabama and um, Oklahoma. We've seen kind of just middle of the road with ULM, and then we've seen, I think, below his standard in Iowa State and Oklahoma State. And so now they have the bye week, and we're going to see if he can pick that back up uh, against Kansas State on the road again and with his second true road environment uh, this season. But uh, definitely he was off, had hopefully what's going to be the worst game of his career statistically. Uh, I told you he had one of the worst games by a quarterback over the last 22 years, and Quinn Ewers is just way too talented to have that tag you know, attached next to his name. So uh, I think he'll bounce back hopefully in a big way. Um, but also, as I talked in the first segment, I'm not sure that Sark did everything he could uh, to meet his young quarterback halfway. So I look for them to be in sync against Kansas State um, and, you know, Quinn Ewers get back to making those spectacular splash plays uh, that he was making against Alabama and Oklahoma while also playing within the system and doing what needs to be done for Texas to win games and score points. Xavier Worthy, I want to talk about Xavier Worthy. Uh, really quickly. And then we got a word from Nissan and the Longhorn real estate team. And then we're going to talk about the defense to wrap this up. But I want to talk about Xavier Worthy because Xavier Worthy is supposed to be one of the best players on this team. He is one of the best players on this team. Excuse me. He's supposed to be one of the leaders on this team. And he's supposed to be one of the best players in this country. I think he's supposed to be one of those players that everybody in the wide receiver room looks up to. And I think what we've seen a lot from Xavier Worthy this year, I was expecting a big breakout year for example i mean he broke out last year but i was expecting him to you know go 1400 maybe 1300 yards put up a blitnikoff type of you know performance this year really you know going into his junior year have scouts saying okay this is a possible first round pick or, or a surefire first round pick i thought that was in the cards for xavier worthy this year especially with a quinn ewers coming in now they haven't had the deep connection and they definitely didn't have it uh on saturday against oklahoma state but i, I just think this year we've seen a lot of inconsistency from Xavier Worthy. I think he's had his great moments, but I think he's also had some moments that he would love to have back some on Saturday, which we'll talk about shortly. I think that there's been a lot of instances where we've seen bad body language from Xavier Worthy. And, you know, we kind of get that from receivers. We understand they have that, that diva persona, that diva personality at times, but I think it's been really egregious <laughs> to a point this year. I think it's been very noticeable on TV and I can't, you know, say that it's, affected the team positively uh when Hudson Card was in there throwing it of course Hudson Card missed him at times and, and Quinn Ewers missed him at times and as well and when you see him get missed you see him you know hanging his head sulking walking you know like oh he missed me again you know and it's just not a great look for a player that's that special it's not a great look for the team then you know you saw especially in the UTSA game and, and a few other games Hudson Card put the ball in Xavier Worthy's neighborhood and a great receiver, a wide receiver one, that's what Xavier Worthy, at least that's the role he's filling on this team right now. I'm not sure if he's a true number one. We can argue that all day. But he's the number one wide receiver for the Texas Longhorns. And I don't see when the ball is in the air, if it's not perfect, if it's not perfectly in his basket, 
I don't see a lot of fight for the ball. I don't see a lot of adjusting for the ball. And I don't see a lot of tracking of the ball. And this is these are things that you expect of your number one receiver. You talk about, you know, he was missed a lot on Saturday. And I can understand that, why you would be upset, why you would be upset if you were targeted 16 times and, you know, only had four catches. On the first interception by Quinn Ewers, he was horribly overthrown. There were a few times where he was wide open and he was horribly, you know, overthrown or missed. I get that. I get that you're going to be frustrated. But when you start to play emotional and you let that affect your game and you're walking around with bad body language, things like you missing a chance to tie the game happens. And so when Quinn Ewers throws that ball, that wasn't perfect, but was in your vicinity. If you adjust to that ball, you catch it perfectly, uncontested, and the game is tied. And Texas has a chance to beat Oklahoma State in a game that was closer than it ever should have been. You don't track the ball in the air well. You stumble a little bit, and you don't even really make a chance on the play. And there are a few other instances where the ball was in your neighborhood, but it didn't come perfectly to you. You didn't give yourself a chance on the play. You didn't give the Texas offense a chance to move forward because you were too busy, you know, sulking and and playing the woe is me card because the bars, the ball's not coming perfectly in your basket. If you're a number one receiver, you got to go out there and get that ball. You got to snatch that ball. You got to track that ball. You got to look over right shoulder, left shoulder. I'm not sure what I just did on camera, but you know what I'm saying? But like you have to make plays on the ball. And it just seems like the Xavier Worthy, at least the one I've seen this year, if it's not perfectly in his basket and he doesn't have to do too much for it, he's not going to catch it. And he has Belitnikov type of talent. He's capable of putting up Belitnikov type of performances like we saw against Oklahoma last year. And I know Quinn Ewers missed him a lot on Saturday. But when Quinn Ewers came to him with the game on the line, when Quinn Ewers came to Xavier Worthy with the game on the line, all is forgiven. You catch this, the game is tied. We'll take our chances in overtime. Xavier Worthy didn't even get a hand on the football. Like I said, a quick word from Nissan and then the Longhorn Real Estate team, and they're going to wrap it up talking about the defense and a tough loss yet again for the Texas Longhorns against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the Locked On College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from the Longhorns weekend game or throughout the history of our alma mater. So this week's Thrilling moment from the Longhorns. Look, it's tough to pick out a moment uh, when you have, you know, a tough loss like that to Oklahoma State. But I have to say my moment was B. John Robinson. He was great, you know, definitely um, on that 42-yard touchdown run he had, just making plays, making people miss in the phone booth. And then he had the big play in the passing game to score. He just continues to prove that he's the best running back in college football. And I wish that uh, we would have been able to use him a little bit more. And he may have been able uh, to carry us to victory on Saturday against Oklahoma State. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier Armada or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. For all your real estate needs in the Austin area, make sure you're visiting www.LonghornRealEstateTeam.com because in a changing, more complex market, you need to work with the top professionals in Austin. Our data and information-driven approach gives our clients a significant advantage. Decades of experience in all market conditions 
makes us able to achieve the best results for our clients and our clients for years have outperformed the market, leveraging our proprietary research information and expertise, which is now more important than ever. Dwell in Austin and Hill Country Mortgages have combined to make your Longhorn Real Estate team. Visit www.longhornrealestateteam.com for all your real estate needs in the Austin area. Hill Country Mortgages, LLC, NMLS, 2324262, Jonathan Sarver, NMLS, 993872, equal housing opportunity. All right, we're going to wrap it up talking about the defense. The defense gave up 41 points. You never want to give up 41 points. This is a defense that was given up 18 prior. And we've seen in their two true role games, they've given up 37 to Texas Tech and 41 to Oklahoma State. So you have to question, you know, what's going on with the game plan, what's going on with the effort, what's going on with their performance outside of Austin at DKR and the one neutral site game at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas where they shut out the Oklahoma Sooners. Because other than that, you've given up, what 88 points in two games so something needs to be uh checked there but i also am not necessarily giving them a pass but the reason i have them last is because although they gave up 41 points i'm gonna put more blame on the offense than i am on the defense and it's the same way as i keep saying we keep losing the exact same way it's the same thing that happened in the texas tech game against texas tech they were on the field for 100 plays in the second half i mean uh, against Oklahoma State, they were on the field for 98 plays. And then when you look at the second half where Texas had a 10 you know, to 14-point lead, they start off, not only did they force two turnovers, but they start off you know, punt, 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 punt by Oklahoma State. I mean, they're just going out there stopping them over and over again, stopping Spencer Sanders, stopping Jaden Nixon, stopping those wide receivers. I think they have four receivers with over 60 receiving yards. Like a balanced attack, they're just stopping them over and over again. Yes, they're giving up plays at times, but, you know, that's that bend but don't break PK defense. And to that point, they hadn't broke. And all Texas had to do, all Sark had to do to put this game away was show some competency on the offensive side in the second half. But once again, as we've seen from this Texas football team under Steve Sarkeesian, they scored 31 points in the first half and look like world beaters. And they come out in the second half and only scored three points. They continuously stall out. 30-second drives, 45-second drives, continuously putting that defense back on the field. And eventually, if you give Spencer Sanders and that talented Oklahoma State offense that many cracks at it, the Texas defense is going to break, and that's what they did. The run defense gave up a 51-yard run, but outside of that, they gave up 30, 89 yards on 39 carries. That's like 2.1 or 2.2 yards a carry. The run defense was elite, as it has been all year, outside of a 51-yard run. I think that bad tackling reared its head again you know and that's something that has played this texas defense for a decade and in their two you know worst moments this year against texas tech and oklahoma state i'm not sure if it's a road thing i'm not sure if they're not ready to play but the bad tackling showed up again and really i thought the worst example of that was on the the crucial play where they took the lead where uh deshaun jameson has him in coverage he has him on the ground i don't think deshaun jameson had the best day but he's on the ground and i think DeMarvin Overshawn and Jaron Thompson have a chance to get him on the ground, but they kind of just looking at him and he breaks free and runs the rest of the way for the end zone. And speaking of Jaron Thompson, look, he's been good at safety this year, but you got to make a play for me, dog. Like you got to make a play for me, bro. You missed two, three, four dropped interceptions. Spencer Sanders drawing the ball right to you, at least two of them. And you dropped him. You got to make a play for me, dog. And then on that play where you just let the dude spin out of Deshaun Jameson's uh, grasp and run to the end zone, you got to, you a safety. You got to smack him. I remember it was a play against Texas Tech and uh, Donovan. I mean, Donovan Smith just uh, ran into him like like it was a fourth and two or something. And, and Jaron Thompson had him 
And Dar Donovan Smith just shrugged him off and ran for a fourth down. I'm like, no offense, but I'm like, you hitting him like a light-skinned safety. Like Tyron Matthew making business decisions. Dog, get in there. He catches one of these picks. Hopefully both of them against Oklahoma State. We may be having a different conversation. I might not be yelling right now. You got to make a play for me, dog. You back there at safety. Anthony Cook made plays before he broke his arm. You got to make a play. Like, you can't just be around the ball. You got to make a play on the ball. But the pass defense wasn't great. I don't think Spencer Sanders was great, but I thought they allowed him to be too comfortable, you know, and he threw the ball 57 times. And, you know, of course, because he threw the ball 57 times, he made enough plays. But like I said, uh, I think they had four receivers with over 60 yards receiving. They had one receiver with over 100 yards. Um, they definitely made a lot of plays in the passing game. And I thought, for the second week in a row, we had to rely too much on our backups at, at the safety position and at the corner position. And I'm not sure if that's just from rotations or injuries because we've seen it happen in both instances. I mean, uh, Keaton Crawford played a lot of minutes. Michael Taff played a lot of minutes. Bless his heart. Jalen Gilbo played a lot of minutes. And Mo Blackwell played a lot of minutes. And I think when we see these backups and these reserves back there in pass defense, Bad things have happened against Iowa State where they possibly could have won the game, you know, if they executed on a few more plays and against Oklahoma State where they did win the game. I think that, you know, with Deshaun Jameson and Ryan Watts healthy and starting and with Jaron Thompson and Anthony Cook, obviously with a broken arm for Anthony Cook, it's probably going to be a while before we see him, if at all, for the rest of the season. We have playmakers back there. I think that Jade Barron has been a star at the star position. I think Jalen Gilbo has came in and filled in nicely when he has had to, you know, he's got a lot of playing time as a true freshman, but I think any time out of that, we've had to play anybody else for any significant stretch is led to bad things for this Texas defense. And we didn't see the product we were used to seeing on Saturday from this Texas defense. But like I said, there's really at this point been kind of a clear delineation between what they do in the two true road games and then what they've done uh, in Austin. And then in the neutral side game against Oklahoma in the red river shutout. Look, like I said, in order, I'm blaming Steve Sarkeesian, Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy, and then the Texas defense for this loss. It's a tough loss. They still have three losses. At this point, their chances of making it to the Big 12 championship game are really dire, you know. But I said this would be a 9-3 and three football team this year. They're still on pace for that. Like I said, right now it looks a little more 8-4-ish. and four -ish. But I just want to see them turn this around and get back to playing the football that we've seen in the majority of their games this year, it's been too streaky. It's been too inconsistent. You know, they look like one of the best teams in the country against Oklahoma and Alabama. And then they look like the same old Texas against Oklahoma state, Texas tech. And then you squeak out a win against Iowa state, a team that had one of the worst pass defenses in the country. We couldn't take advantage of it at all. And we lost another game in the Sark era where we had a double digit lead or a second half lead. So, Tech, everything Texas wants to do besides, you know, making the Big 12 championship game, but they still can be an improved team, a nine and three, eight and four football team and, and win a bowl game, go to a very good bowl game. That's still in front of them. But it's very disappointing that we have to keep talking about this Texas team losing in the fashion they do. We keep saying next year is the year, but last year they could have had a really good season and they folded. And this year we could have had a really good season. We may very well end with a really good season. But there's been three or four instances out of the eight games where they haven't brought in the intensity that we expect from this Texas football team. So this year could have been the year. I know next year is supposed to be the year, but these last two years could have been the year. And there's some systemic issues 
specifically Texas inability to play 60 minutes of football that are holding this team back from being what they're talented enough and what I thought was well coached enough to be. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics. Hopefully better days are ahead at the 40. I know I can't deal with this when we lose, man. Peace.